Welcome to a Pew Pew panel with Eric and Ava. Today, we're going to decide what are the worst conditions to train in. We'll touch upon medical training, discuss our fishing trip, and what are the best handgun, rifle, and shotguns to bring to the beach. And of course, here's little Peaches. She decided to make you know, her appearance as well. Eric, how are you doing today? I am wonderful, Ava. How are you? Having a good day? Um, yeah, I am. Um, I got to say, though, okay, so we're going to touch upon this, but you and I, we went fishing. I've been back now for a week. And I have to say, like, I have suffered from vertigo so badly since being on the boat. And I was only on the boat for three days. So I figure, like, okay, three days on water, three days in land, you know, maybe it would eventually kind of like level out. But like, it's been a week now and I still. I'm like, you know, I went shopping the other day. I'm like bumping into things. I'm just, and I'm just like, oh, when is this going to end? And this happened to me last time I went on a cruise and that was years ago. So I'm starting to think like, maybe I just can't do water anymore. I don't know. I'm actually, I'm curious, any of the people who are listening, I'm wondering if anybody else gets vertigo and if this happens, like you feel like you're still on the boat and you're just going back and forth with the waves. And granted, when we were on the boat, the water was pretty choppy in my defense. But I mean, at this point, it's, it's crazy. And I've tried everything. I've tried Dramamine. I've tried the little bracelets. Um, I even went outside, put my feet in the grass, trying to like ground myself. It's just been, it's, it's been a huge ordeal. And it's kind of affecting the way that I think. Well, you know, um, when people walk around in the grocery store and, and stumble around and bump into things, there is another word for that. It's you drunk. <laughs> but uh, you know what's crazy is when you're in the shower, okay, take mm -hmm. a shower or whatever, close your eyes and then look up straight up when you're in the shower. And if you have any type of vert vertigo, it will absolutely slay you. Like, trust me, huh. it, it, will, it will screw with you, especially it's something about the shower. I don't know why. Yeah. Water's on you, whatever. But um, so like when you're on the boat and it's choppy, what, what tends to, to kind of happen uh, and everything like that is that your isolating muscles are all working and, and you're, you're working like muscles in your body that you normally wouldn't be working, right? You got to think if the boat is moving, it's a platform that you're standing on. Well, what are you doing? You're constantly taxing and constantly yeah. moving your body to keep your balance. And you, you don't think about it. It's actually like a hell of a workout. Like after a while, you know, you start to feel sore the next day and you think, well, gosh, all, all we did was just hang out on the boat, you know, mm -hmm. even if fish a lot or whatever like it, yeah. it, it can have an effect on you and then and obviously yeah you can get vertigo you can have motion sickness and it can continue for sure i appreciate you taking that the camera off me for a second i think you saw that i was distracted and it's because the camera was moving and i was like wait a minute am i having a vertigo episode right now i'm feeling dizzy everything's moving and it was because you know the camera uh, was so close to my desk and peaches was bumping into it <laughs> <laughs> anyways um so we're gonna start with the show uh, we are excited to announce we have a sponsor along with quite a few others that we'll announce in December, but our first sponsor is Gideon Optics, and I saw Gideon for the first time when I was at TruerCon, and uh, it was like through Rainier Arms in Oklahoma, and I was really impressed with their stuff, um, thought that they offered really great quality, especially for the cost. And, um, and so that's why I'm like, I'm thrilled that they're, you know, that they want to work with us. I think that, um, I think we could, I think it's going to be a really good, you know, a really good relationship. And they sent me recently a bunch of different optics for, uh, for handguns and rifles. 
and I put quite a few of them on different guns and I shot a few times, not as much this past week as I'd like to just because of the vertigo. Um, but I did take it to, um, uh, to some training with me yesterday and I was impressed with it. So if you guys want to check out Gideon Optics, head on over to GideonOptics.com. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting some of my videos. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to be, you know, beating them up and putting them through the paces, see how they hold up. I, I think that rifle optic they make is pretty slick. I'm, I'm looking forward Oh, it to is. Yeah. So that was the first thing that I noticed, like right out of the box. I like they are very sturdy and made with like a very tough metal. And, uh, and that was like my first, you know, my first thought I was just like, wow, it's like really good quality. I mean, that's not to say that like, you know, it's, it might just because like the outside's like, you know, really sturdy that it's, it might prevent the, um, the glass from breaking, but it was definitely like a, a quality metal that they used, which I'll have yeah, to ask them what they actually used. In the, in the price range that they're in, you know, so mm -hmm. they're, they're offering a lot of quality for what, what they're selling them for. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right, so now it's time for mail call. Eric, I just briefly glanced at yours before we started the show because you just opened the package. I'm super jealous, but I think you should go first. Okay. All right. So what I got, uh, our friends at Plux, my buddy Ben over there, he's actually been a long-term fan of the channel for quite some time. And, uh, you know, he started this company, Flux, and he makes the Raider chassis. Uh, so this is the Gen 2 Raider. All right. Brand new from Flux. This is hot off the shelf. I hope I'm actually allowed to show this. I, I think I am, but check it out. Yeah, buddy. So you can drop your uh, SIG P320 in there, M17, M18, what have you. And this particular version is intended to be an SBR, unfortunately, because um, it says, so the early versions say not a stock. This one says SBR. It's a stock. So they have a couple of different versions now. That, now, since the braces are back in play now, uh, Ava, I'm hoping that they will offer this in a brace configuration. However, compared to the brace configuration, I do like this stock. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing setup. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it looks Raider. Yeah, it looks so cool. I have the, the first generation and I love it. In fact, you were trying to, when we were in Florida, you were like, look what I got. And you like pulled it out. And I was like, I got two of those. So oh. sit down. <laughs> Ava's going to pull gun rank on me. Jeez. That's so cool. So for a second, um, I just want to take a, a second to talk about the braces. Um, so yeah, there was a nationwide injunction, which I'm sure everyone has heard at this point. But I'm curious now, like, you know, are we in the clear? And this is not to say that I, you know, abide by the laws. I didn't register anything. Like I didn't do the whole free tax stamp but I, you know, I think I'm not alone when a lot of people are questioning like, okay, is it okay to like bring out our braces and like show them online? Because one thing that I avoided is I did not show anything because I was not trying to be like made an example out of. And so I was just like, eh, we'll just, you know, whatever. We'll just keep them off camera for now. I'm not going to like, you know, dangle like the fruit in front of the monkey or whatever. But um, I don't know. So what are your thoughts on it? What are you what are you thinking? Because like, obviously, you know, they could always come back and and people, I mean, I even watched Colleen Noir's video last night and a lot of people are like, eh, it's probably not going to happen, but there's still that chance. Yeah. I mean, we never thought that it would happen in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually just got done cutting a video uh, just a few minutes ago that I'm going to edit and put up today. Um, at the time that we're filming this podcast, I'll put it up today. I mean, today's the 17th. 
Um, yeah, so it, it is a nationwide injunction now. It covers everyone. At first, it just covered uh, people that were members of FPC, GOA, and uh, what, uh, SAF, right? Those three organizations, which mm -hmm. does cast a very wide net. Okay, yeah. and that does uh, envelop a lot of people. And to be fair, look, I, I'm just going to be a little selfish here because I am the Georgia State Director for GOA. Uh, I will say that it did help, uh, you know, boost our membership a good bit. You know, once mm -hmm. you know, we released that information, I put out the initial video. We did get a lot of people sign up uh, for membership, which which is good. You know, hey, we always want to boost the memberships and everything. But it's unfortunate that it took something like that to get someone to join. Uh, and everything, but I get it. Like necessity is always the mother of invention and, you know, we, it makes us do things. And at the end of the day, I think that they have gotten the slap on the wrist that they want. Um, the ATF could fight it. You know, this could go to the Supreme court, of course, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that we're pretty much out of the water on this. I, mm -hmm. I mean, a bunch of retailers have already started selling pistols with yeah. prices on them again. And, doesn't seem to really bother them too much. And I'm sure they have a team of uh, lawyers that's uh, far, far more reaching than our team would be. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, hey, they must have it figured out. So they got the green light from their legal department to do it. So I'm sure it's gone through many legal minds mm -hmm. and uh, seems to be OK. So I yeah. don't really see a problem with it. And, okay. and yeah, I didn't take a damn brace off anything. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't either. I mean, I didn't register anything. I didn't, you know. I don't even want to tell you actually what I've been doing. <laughs> I'm not trying to incriminate myself, but uh, the braces were the least of everyone's worries. I'll just yeah. keep it at that. For real. All right. So I got real in the problem. mail um, a little gift package from B5 Systems. And I actually have not gone through this box yet. Um, I love how everything I show is always like in, it's still wrapped up. But I got a grip from B5 Systems. And B5 Systems has been uh, making an appearance on a lot of guns, like IWI, for example, um, a lot of their stuff, um, lots of ARs and stuff out there. Again, another grip. Let's see. There is a stock. There's this stock that's camo. And I'm actually going to give this one away today on the show. Oh. Yeah. You know, and, B5 is doing a lot of OEM work, Ava. Like, they're making it. Yeah, oh, I know. Really good. I know. Absolutely. And then, yeah, it just looks like um, the rest are just stocks and grips. So, with that said, now that I have, like, more stocks and grips, obviously, I have to build more ARs. I mean, it just makes sense, right? So, that's what I'll be doing this next, <laughs> you know, this next week. Right on. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah. And then, um, and, uh, B5 systems, they did actually give that stock to me an extra stock, which was the camo one to give away. And I have already chosen the winner, but you guys have to wait until the end of the show to hear who the winner is. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now it's time for, would you rather, and we had a lot of participation this time around. So we really appreciate that. Um, if you guys have a question for us, comments, anything like that, just comment on, we prefer the Pew Pew panel YouTube channel. And um, I mean, we'll see it either way, but like we're really trying to drive traffic to that channel. So if you guys could possibly, you know, subscribe and then also write your comments in the comment section, we'd greatly appreciate it. So this one is from Penny on Heads. She said, would you rather train outdoors in 110 degree heat with high humidity or sub 30 degree freezing rain? I mean, both sound miserable for being honest, but 
Uh, I'm, I have a feeling that like you being in Georgia, humidity probably doesn't really phase you anymore. And then either does the 110 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like uh, me, you know, I live in Colorado. It's very dry, thankfully. So because humidity does not do well with my hair at all. Um, and then I also, I hate the cold, like despise the cold. I hate being cold. Yeah. So I, mean, I can't imagine wanting to train in, you know, freezing weather, freezing rain and all that sort of stuff. I, I would definitely take the, the hot and humid all day yeah. long. Yeah. Sure. So I have to ask then, do you typically take a break during the summertime when you're recording your videos? Cause I know quite a few content creators do like if they live in Arizona or even Texas, you know, certain places that just get like ridiculously hot or they wake up at like 6am to record. Heck no. I get out there, we set up our cameras and we film our butts off. The longer the day is, the better. And, you know, early on in, in the early stages of my, of my, of my channel, when I had more help, you know, I, I would have a couple of people helping me out, like reset targets and repaint steel and help me load magazines. Like I literally had like an assembly line of making videos and we could knock out, you know, six or eight, you know, videos in one day, with a fair degree of good accuracy and looking good, good production quality. And like those guys would hate me because we'd be out there like 12 <laughs> hours and, you know, I don't give a damn. We, we'd have a gallon of sweet tea is like, I'm just cranking it. Wow. Uh, yeah. When we work, we work. We, we get yeah. out there. See, so the only thing is like, I just, it's probably okay for you to just sit there and like have sweaty armpits, you know, sweat, like, you know, all down. And like, imagine if I was just recording a YouTube video and I was just like, just total sloppy, sweaty mess. I wonder how it would do. I don't must like it just goes to show like men and women, sometimes things fly, you know, but I guess I would just bring some change of shirts and stuff because that's what I've typically done. Like when I record in the summer and it's super hot. Um, I always just uh, I use that that spray, um, you know, uh, sunscreen theater? and everything like that. And I, and I get oh. that like greasy sunscreen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a tiny like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and just. Ex, you know, exaggerate it and just get myself covered in sunscreen and look all oily and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of my vibe. All do. right. So are we on like kind of an agreement then you would rather do the 110 degrees humidity oh. than, yeah. I mean, hell, I wouldn't even do zero degree freezing and rain. Hell no. <laughs> I wouldn't even do 30 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. yeah. That's a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. All right. So now we have listener questions. So fit and fire. Um, I don't know if you know, you probably know Fit and Fire YouTube right. channel. Uh, he said, in your opinion, what is the best medical training available? Um, I know that there's like quite a few content creators out there that teach medical. I've taken a medical class. It's been a few years now. And um, the person who taught it was like TCCC certified. But I don't know. I mean, at this point, I would say any medical training that you can take, as long as it's coming from a credible source and definitely check their, you know, their references and their credentials. Um, but I don't feel like you could go wrong. But I would say that if you guys are looking for a class, definitely look for something that offers hands-on training. Because when I took the class, which was, it was, I mean, it was hard for me to take that class. Um, but like, you know, packing wounds, like they, they took a big piece of, um, I think it was like pork and then like cut a hole and they had some system where it was like pumping out blood and you had to like pack the wounds. And most people wouldn't even know that they would just think like, oh, you know, in order to pack a wound, you just like 
you know, put a big cloth there and just kind of like put pressure on it. And like, that's better than nothing, but you essentially want to just keep twirling it in your finger, pushing it down, twirling your finger, pushing it down. And, um, yeah. And then that, so that was like eye opening. um, even using a, a tourniquet, there's so many different tourniquets out there and I don't know if people know how to use all of them. And so that's, you know, that's some good training, but also like that hands-on training, I think is extremely important. My good friend, uh, Dietrich, uh, he has a channel called Skinny Medic. Oh yeah. A lot of classes and look, he, his classes are legit. He's very good at what he does. And, um, I would say that no matter what type of medical training that you're ever going to try to take, look at what they do in the real world. Okay. Are they AMT? Are they a doctor? Like, do they work in the medical profession on a regular basis? And do they get a a lot of real world experience on a regular basis that they then convert into their classes and, and send along as training? Because See, see, experience is our best teacher. Yeah. So, you know, if someone's teaching medical and they're not out there doing it in that line of work in their field, then, you know, unless they've had 30 years of experience or 20 years of experience or some, you know, crazy amount of experience that they can go, okay, cool. We've seen it all. We've done it all. We know how to deal with it. You know, that's where I would look first to see, like, what do they do in the civilian world? How much experience do they have? And, and also just a lot of times, you know, you can read reviews. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, you're going to know if someone's good or if they're bad pretty quick. I mean, that word yeah. gets around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. So I guess that's what I would say. Unless anybody else has any recommendations in that case, you know, put it in the comment section. We'd greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe somebody else who's, you know, viewing this channel, they might find that person that's local to them. Uh, next question is from Moon Wolf. 117 would you rather eat nachos or tacos man this is probably the hardest question so far i'm not gonna lie this is tough especially because i love nachos and tacos you know both do we have to choose it's almost like you have like do you want mini mini tacos or (laughs) or i mean yeah mini mini tacos or i don't know here's the important distinction that we have to make here this is going to separate the men from the boys are we talking like street tacos with the soft shells, you know, and like the beef and the red onions and all that sort of stuff? Or are we talking like kind of traditional hard shell tacos with like ground beef and things like, you know, because not all tacos are made equal. Are we talking like oh, a super I know. taco? Or are we talking just a basic taco? I mean, what, 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 what's your taco of choice? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I've never turned down oh, a taco. <laughs> I love tacos. Um Mm-hmm. So, okay, regardless, I think that I would choose tacos because you get a little bit of everything, you know, all in one bite. Whereas like nachos, nothing's worse than like ordering nachos at a restaurant and you get like mostly chips and then it's like, okay, some of it has cheese on it. And then like the actual, like the other toppings is like very, you know, like used sparingly. And I'm just like, what is this? Like, did I ask yeah. for chips or did I ask for nachos? And I hate that. With tacos, you get both because yeah. you can eat tacos, and there's always going to be like some ingredients laying on the plate, and then you can grab the chips and put the. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Although, have you been to like some of those fancier Mexican restaurants where you'll order nachos and it comes out with like, let's say, 10 tortilla chips, and then it's like made completely, you know, like stacked. So each taco or each uh, tortilla chip is like completely even with all of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I could definitely get down with that. And then I'd say it's probably a close, you know, 
close call. You can never go wrong with tacos, Ava. That that's no. I know. Uh, the other day, fish tacos with the fish. I know. I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that here shortly, but I know I, I'm like, oh, there's so many things I could make, but yeah, fish tacos are really good too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. All right. Uh, and then last question is from James Messer, one, two, two, four. He said, do you think 380 is adequate for self-defense or any other lower power cartridge? That's actually a really good question. I think, um, I personally used to think that 380 was like very substantial. And that was what I carried for the longest time when the Glock 42 came out. I was in love with that gun and like I carried that everywhere. And then I will say that I did some training where I made a meat target and you know like Paul uh Paul Harrell or whatever. I forget his last name. Paul Harrell. Um but he's like known for making this meat targets and so he, I did something very similar where I got like a rack of ribs, uh, some pork chops, I think some like grapefruits and oranges, you know, kind of like wrapped it all. And like to basically, you know, mimic like what a torso would be like. And I did some testing on it and I was actually really surprised by like the 380 really didn't do as much damage as I thought it would. And that was pretty eye opening. And I think after that, that's when I started carrying nine millimeter. Well, you know, I'm probably going to make some people angry when I say this, but I'm just going to just going to say it. Now, look, 380, I think that a lot of the juice you get out of 380 is going to depend on the barrel length. So if you're talking like a, you know, Beretta pistol with maybe a four inch barrel, like a full size 380, mm -hmm. and then you're using, you know, maybe a lighter pill or a heavier pill. So the thing is, there's been a lot of advancements in projectile design and there's been a lot of advancements in propellants. Right. Yeah. So if we were talking about a 380, you know, 50, 60 years ago, and maybe maybe the bullet choices weren't so good, maybe not good velocities. So if you're talking the full potential velocity that a 380 can get maybe out of a longer barrel compared to something like a Ruger LCP, which is kind of a little mouse gun, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. If they're right on top of you and they're close, believe me, that's going to dissuade even the most uh, determined foe. However, I've always kind of been of the thinking that if you're going to carry a 380, you might as well go ahead and carry a nine because the variety of ammo for defensive purposes that is available to you is so much greater. Like you've got a much greater uh, selection to choose from for, for ammo. Yeah. And you also have better guns to choose from a wider variety of different guns. And uh, you know, and of course with the projectile and propellants and all of the advancements in modern carry ammo, uh, nine millimeter is certainly no slouch. And I feel like you get a greater gain over those projectile and, and uh, propellant uh, advancements out of the nine millimeter than you do out of the 380. And I think that's just by virtue of the case capacity. You know, nine mil holds a little more power. Mm -hmm. It's really the same cartridge if you think about it, like more or less, like maybe a lighter bullet in the 380. You do get heavier bullets in the nine millimeter. You put some more power behind it, powder rather. I feel like nine millimeter does offer a substantial upgrade in power for not a lot of extra recoil. So I, I kind of have gravitated more to the nines. Yeah. And I will say, I haven't noticed that much of a difference in recoil, you know, even as a female, um, it just, I don't know. I mean, to a, a little bit, but not nothing substantial that I think would make or break the, the situation. And it isn't it weird that like, even just like a few years ago, like five years ago, 
all of the really small, like micro compact guns, they were all 380. And now just like in the, in recent years, we have so many other micro compacts and majority of them are chambered in nine millimeter, which is great. So I think that's also why a lot of us, you know, chose to carry 380. I mean, I think about how many people owned that Ruger LCP. I'm yeah. even guilty of this. And like that gun was so bad to shoot, but ultimately, I mean, it was, it wasn't a bad secondary gun. It was really easy to just like, you know, put wherever and, and carry it as a backup gun. And so I didn't, I'm not hating on it, but it is, you know, I would say nowadays, like, why not go with the nine? But with that said, um, to answer the second part of the question, uh, any like lower power cartridges, even 22. So I've had so many people, you know, come into my classroom. I've been teaching now for 10 years and a lot of like older women that don't, you know, that lack hand strength, they have arthritis and all they can shoot is a 22. Like that's just what they want to carry. It's what they feel comfortable with. And I could talk, I could try to talk them out of, you know, carrying it all day long. Ultimately, I still think, you know, I mean, 22, the reason why I don't really like it is it's not really reliable because it's always having misfires. But ultimately, I will say that like, that's going to be way better than not having any gun at all. So, you know, if you feel really comfortable with your 380, your 22, any of those guns, anything with a, a much smaller caliber, absolutely carry that because it's going to be a lot better than not having anything at all. And again, when we're talking about ammo, Ava, you know, the federal punch. Okay. Yes. That yes. stuff is such great ammo. We did a, a video recently where we compared the Stingers, uh, which is definitely a hot round in a 22 uh, from CCI to the Federal Punch. And we we're getting some really crazy results. So that Federal Punch is optimized for pistol barrel lengths. So if someone is going to carry a 22, there is some pretty good food for it now. And exactly. you know, we didn't have any issues out of it. And it, it performed exceptionally well. Believe me, uh, a 22 on your hip is better than nothing. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And I, I feel the same way about the federal punch and they've actually started making in other calibers as well. So. Perfect. All right. Listener comments. So this is just stuff that people commented on the YouTube channel. This is from chase one zero five three. He said, this is an excellent show. Most podcasts don't keep my attention. The combination of Eric, who I followed for years and Ava, who I found through following her dad, you both bring different things to the table that create a great balance of interest and, of course, knowledge. Super nice. Uh, next is Louis Mor Morero, which, you know, Eric, I got to say, I love how I do all this, you know, reading and stuff. So if I mess up anyone's name, everyone's going to hate me and not you. But it's cool. I'll, I'll take one. For I do it team. all the time on my channel. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so Louis Morrow, 8972. Uh, he said, you two are my favorite two, 2A YouTubers. So glad you've joined forces to create this podcast. Mark, yeah. Tis Mark Tisdale, 7935. I testified along with Ava against the expansion of the red flag lock here in Colorado this year. The scariest part is they basically added uh, anyone that works at a school can file a red flag now. It wasn't bad enough when it was cops and medical personnel, but now it's just insane. And I have to agree with that. And and that was, you know, what they proposed. And I believe it passed. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't, it's not looking great for Colorado. I think the only thing that we really won on last year, it was like trying to fight was the assault weapons ban. And I'm sure that they're going to come at it again this year. But um, I mean, how crazy is it that like teachers, which I have a lot of respect for teachers, but 
I think we could all agree that there's some teachers out there that are just freaking batshit crazy. And imagine them like having that power to just like, let's say they're anti-gun and they know that that, you know, their students' parents own a gun and they just feel like, like, yeah, you know what? Today I'm just going to be like, yeah, they might be, you know, a risk and and you should, you know, and tell the cops to like show up at their house and, and disarm them. You know, you know I mean, it's, it's pretty scary. You put the shoe on the other foot though, right? You know how we always talk about wanting armed teachers and, and look, that's important, right? Like if a teacher wants to get the training yeah. and really take it seriously and, and, and put themselves in potential danger to protect your students, that's an honorable thing. But I don't think that arming teachers should be mandatory because no. then you're going to have some Karen like that would yeah. turn someone in for a red flag. You don't want them having access to a gun if you if they're going to be all crazy and, and emotionally unstable and and not be able to make a logical decision. I mean, look, gunfighting yeah. is logical. You yeah. can't allow your emotions to take over. You're going to get yourself axed pretty quick. I mean, you have to think on your feet. You got to make fast decisions, and ultimately, you got to shoot fast. You got to be accurate, and mm -hmm. you got to come out on top. And you know. Can they deal with that level of stress in that environment? Maybe not. I mean, and, but I'm also okay with that teacher going, you know what? This is not for me. I, yeah. I've realized that maybe I'm not a person that needs to have a gun. But yeah, maybe the, uh, you know, maybe the the, the biologist down uh, a, a few classrooms down that teaches biology class as a former Marine or something. Well, well then, you, yeah, he's got some gun knowledge. Maybe let him be the designated shooter. Mm -hmm. It's just you got to think logically about these things. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. And I've said the same thing. You know, I mean, there's some teachers that I've had that I'm like, the thought of having, you know, of them being armed, like scares the crap out of me. Um, but with that said, every year there is a um, a school that I certified and they have five people in that school that they're all armed. And then every year they have to go through recertification. And so, you know, they're not arming every teacher there. Um, I think it's good. I think that, you know, if teachers want to do that and they have experience, but they also have to understand that like, you know, it's not like, oh, just take one class and you're set. Like you really have to take the time to train for this and keep up with that skill. Otherwise you're just putting us more in danger, I think. So yeah. you look yeah. at the uh, training that air marshals go through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a pretty hard training. Like, yeah. you know, you're talking a pressurized cabin on the airplane. Like you got to make every shot, you know, count. You can't go just slinging lead. You got all those people in there. Like you have to be yeah. precise. You have to be have good judgment. And you got to think a classroom is the same way. You've got all these innocent lives there that you're trying to protect. And you certainly don't want to hurt the very people you're trying to protect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ruba Funk said, Ava, you are a massive breath of fresh air, hon. My husband and I want you more, want you on more IV8888 content. Eric, you kick ass as always, homie. And then, uh, I don't want it to be like, cool, this is us just like patting ourselves on the back. So I also included one negative. Well, there was a few negatives actually. So Mad CZ Echo Outdoors 1088, he said, did anyone else fast forward through 90% of this? And then um, somebody also made a comment about my Botox. They were like, Ava's Botox is bad. And I think they deleted it because I was going to be like, all right, well, I mean, lesson learned. I shouldn't have gone to Tijuana and did the buy one, get one free Botox. You know, I won't do it anymore because clearly it's, you know, it's showing. <laughs> So, so you, 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 you pay for the upper lip and get the lower lip for free. Now, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I, 
I mean, it's always good to get, you know, like constructive criticism, but like people who are rude about it, I just kind of laugh with it. It doesn't really bother me anymore. <laughs> I've been in this industry too long. So, um, but yeah, the internet, you got to have some thick skin, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So now it is finally talk. It's finally time to talk about our fishing trip, which was so much fun. Eric, you were there a little bit longer than I was. Uh, you had some friends come in. I met your friends. I don't know if they want to be named or anything, um, but they were freaking amazing. And we all had a good time. And then as soon as they left, then we had some veterans come in and they were fishing with us. And then unfortunately, I only got to spend one day with them, but I loved these guys. And it's funny because, you know, before I met them, you met them that night. And um, you the next morning when we were driving to meet them, you were like, all right, you know, these guys are a little rough. So like, if they say anything to you, you know, just let me know if you feel uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, please, I'll make it them blush before they'll make me blush. And don't you think that I achieved that? <laughs> you totally disarmed them. I think they were completely shocked. Now, guys, we're talking some Vietnam veterans in their 70s. And these guys weren't just any Vietnam vets. These guys were Rangers, right? And they saw some crazy action in Vietnam and they've seen some crazy stuff. So it was a trip that we put together with a special operations wounded warrior. And what they do is they provide excursions and experiences for veterans who have dealt with a lot of crazy things in their life, PTSD, mm -hmm. trauma, obviously military service is very stressful. And the point is to provide them with great experiences where they can have some great camaraderie, get out in nature and ultimately heal, you know, and it's great to get around like-minded people that have been through very similar situations that you have. And mm -hmm. my situation, I'm a veteran as well. So it was great to kind of discuss with these guys, like the difference between what they went through in Vietnam and what I went through in Iraq. So it's just interesting how they're like, oh, you're a badass because you did X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, you guys are badass because you had freaking y'all are you have people shooting at you in the jungle and stuff, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's all a generational thing where they think what we did was crazy and we think what they did was crazy. And there's some bleed over between you know, like the things that we did collectively. And uh, just to hear some of their stories was very enlightening and heartwarming. And, and also you can tell with the amount of detail that they describe things that they've been through, that it's a very deep wound. It cuts deep and it never goes away. Even after all those years in you know, Vietnam was a long time ago. And these mm -hmm. guys can have a recollection of what they went through in their youth. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. So those wounds do not uh, heal so quickly, you know, that some wounds never heal. And yeah. it's important for that camaraderie. So that's what Special Operations Wounded Warrior does. Just a big shout out to Roy and the whole crew over there. We had a fantastic time. And yes, you absolutely disarmed them, Ava. I think they were quite <laughs> shocked at your yeah. ability to uh, throw out a little quip here and there. So. Yeah, I know. I think well, they were trying to up like one up me and I was like, oh, no. I mean, it, we just had a lot of laughs. It was just a, a great time. But we did go fishing. And we fished. So it's funny, like while I was at the airport heading to Florida, I was in the Amex lounge and um, I was talking to some guy sitting next to a guy. He owned a ranch and he does fishing. And he was like, oh, so what are you going to do? You know, like offshore. Uh, I don't even know, Eric, I'm going to embarrass myself by saying it. But <laughs> I was just like, um, yeah, I don't know. We're like going to go on a boat, you know, and like go fishing. I mean, we're doing like ocean fishing. Like we're not doing lake fishing. I know that. And the guy's just like, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> but, uh, but now that I kind of know, so we did do inshore fishing, right? right. Like right. it wasn't, so like it was still a little ways out there, but we were still, we could see land. 
right. then so, I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, yeah. So, so inshore, basically, you know, you can still see land and everything like that. And uh, we did go offshore as well. Yeah. And so. maybe that's where I got seasick. I don't know. <laughs> But that was also a lot of fun. And I absolutely love fishing. I love it so much. Like, I don't love lake fishing as much because I'm like, eh, you just pretty much know what you're going to get. I guess it's like the size that kind of is like, oh, I wonder how big it is. But I mean, on, in the ocean, we caught all kinds of stuff. Like we got redfish. We caught some sharks. Um, you caught stingrays. I wish I would have saw a stingray. We caught. Um, so what I took home was king mackerel. Um, what were the other two fish that, that we mangrove snapper? Yes. And right. then, and then what was the cute little, like the trigger fish? Yes. Yeah. I'm like, you know, the cute little like round one, those were like the smallest ones that we'd seen, but everything was like huge. And then, yep. um, we also came close to catching, um, some really big fish, but unfortunately like either the line would break or like they would just, I don't know. And so some of the, uh, the wrecks that we fish over, right. They have these huge Goliath grouper and these things can get, you know, 200 to sometimes upwards of 400 pounds. And these things are like the size of a small car. They're humongous, right? They're freaking huge fish and, and they're powerful. And, you know, when you're bringing up a fish out of a wreck, okay. If you take too long to get them way above the wreck, a Goliath grouper will just come up and chomp your freaking fish right as you're pulling yeah. up. So you're you're throwing your bait down, you're catching a fish, but then your fish gets ate by Goliath grouper. So we we got uh we got taken by Goliath grouper a couple of times. We did get him close to the boat, uh, but he broke off maybe about fifty feet from the boat, and it was like man. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I knew we wouldn't be able to get him on the boat, but I just wanted to see like the size of it just because yeah. you know and then i mean there was a lot of stuff that we threw back like we were you know but i did take some fish home with me uh you were nice enough to ship it and um it's in my freezer now so i'm gonna have like a big fish fry with my friends i say fish fry but i don't know if i'm actually gonna fry the fish because i just feel like that takes away from the flavor but i'm definitely looking up some recipes so with those three fish that i have if you guys have any you know any way of uh like any advice on how to cook it definitely appreciated because well i'm not the best cook you know i can get by but recipes help <laughs> so one thing i want to uh, mention as well so with the inshore fishing ava mm -hmm. one of the entire reasons that we were down in this particular time frame that we were is because the redfish you know prior to going offshore to to breed and everything for the year you know a lot of the big ones go offshore but they hole up in the passes and they gorge themselves on all type of bait fish and food. And they're really trying to fatten up and, and get a lot of calories in them. And in the passes, we were targeting these redfish. And of course, the day that you and I went out there, we were fishing. We had a great time. We started hooking into some big reds. And I'm yeah. really, really happy that you got to see some big redfish because those things are so fun to catch. And the, especially the one that we caught that had, you know, the multiple spots on the tail, which, you know, sometimes you'll see, you'll, you'll see a two spotter you know, whatever, but usually it's only one spot on the tail, but this one was full of spots. Like it was, yeah. it was an abundance of spots and it's really cool when you can find one that's a multi-spot like that. It's actually a rare redfish to see, especially that big. So I was so stoked that we caught that one. And uh, we yeah. got one real big bull. It was probably 42 inches, you know, yeah. we're talking, uh, you know, 35, 45 pound redfish, definitely a big one. Yeah. Which those things are hard to pull up. You get quite the upper body exercise. 
Okay. So that said, um, this had me thinking though. Okay. So if we were to, let's say we're on the beach, you know, we actually, we stopped off in this like little Island. It was a little sandbar. It was so freaking cool. It was like your own personal Island. And there's all these, uh, birds, they call it what bird Island. Yeah. Right. And there was all these birds everywhere. And it's just really pretty, but it had me thinking that like, let's say you were stranded on an Island or let's say you did that whole, like, um, you know, some reality TV show where you could only pick three guns to bring on this Island and use. And we started thinking, you know, it's like, huh, I don't know. That's kind of, it's kind of a tough question because, you know, my, my initial instinct was to say an AK, but then after I started thinking about it, I'm like, well, that's actually kind of dumb. It's, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, I'm like, oh, you know, AK is like, just ask the Taliban or like you think Middle East, you know, like they're all using AKs, but like, there's definitely better out there. Like, I think I would still probably use an AR instead. Um, I don't know. So I've come up with a few different things that I would probably use. Um, me personally. So, you know, if I did an AK, I'd probably do like an Arsenal AK and, uh, which one? It was like the SLR 107, just because it has a stamp receiver. So it's going to be a little bit lighter. But if I decided to go with a different platform, I was thinking POF AR, uh, just because it's piston driven. And the only reason for that, which would give me an upper hand, is because I don't have to lubricate it enough or as much. Because think about, you know, the more lubrication that you add to your gun, this thing's going to be like a sandbox in no time. Like I tell my students all the time, like, yeah, you know, you'd have to make sure that your gun is well lubricated, but not so much that it's just like collecting every bit of debris that, you know, as, as you're shooting the gun. Uh, so yeah, I would say like the, the POF, um, maybe the P415 or even like the SIG MCX, I would say, actually, if I had to choose, I think it would be a close contender between the SIG MCX or even the Tavor X95 because they're both piston driven, but they're also compact. And I think that there's a lot to be said about, you know, compact. Um, if you've ever done any like close quarter, you know, combat training, um, you'll realize pretty quickly, like it's kind of nice to have like a shorter gun. I agree. And, you know, there is something to be said for adverse elements. I mean, when you get around salt water, it's it's some really bad stuff. I mean, you probably noticed when we were on the boat, some mm -hmm. of my tools. Now, look, you know, I've had like my boon tools now for, I don't know, some of those crimping pliers I've had for like maybe four or five years, like my my fish pliers for like taking the hooks off, you know, I've had for some time. But yeah, like, you know, they look like they looked rough. I thought yeah, for sure. I was like, man, you have like 20 years on those tools. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. But the thing is, it can look like 20 years in, in just a year. And mm -hmm. same thing can be said for your guns. Anything with a lot of moving parts and a lot of fine fitment, you know, salt water and all of that. And you got to think the salt is in the air, too. You know, so yeah. it, it doesn't take much for things that are exposed to salt water to begin to rust pretty quickly. And then you have the sand element. So, yeah, a beach environment does pose a lot of very difficult things that you have to overcome. And I think an AR would definitely be a great choice because it's a sealed system and it actually holds up quite good in mud and dust tests and sand tests and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess in this particular scenario, we would be assuming here that let's say um, it's a large island. Maybe you got fresh water, there's animals, uh, you know, there's no telling what's on the island. Let's say it's a relatively large island 
with a lot of biodiversity, things that you can do, you know? So yeah, I think not knowing what was on the island and I had to survive and only mm -hmm. take one rifle an AR is going to be pretty hard to beat like a Daniel defense mark 18 or something like that would, would pretty much be my jam. Keep it short and yeah. compact. I mean, the X 95 is a great gun as well. You know, keep it compact, especially I mean, like, in an configuration, something tiny. Yeah. I mean, I was more just thinking like, well also, cause think about it, the Tavor. I mean, you know, they're fighting the war in Israel, you know, using Tavors and stuff. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty sandy there. I've been to Israel before. It's, you know, I mean, I guess it depends what part, but there's quite a bit of sand. Um, and then I also just thought, you know, like the whole pistol, uh, piston driven, you know, aspect of it definitely makes it so that you don't have to have as much lubrication. So that would help. But then I was like, yeah, but on the other hand, you also want that lubrication because otherwise it's going to rust in no time. And that was one of the things that I noticed when we were um, just even getting out of like the, you know, the area where you dock to the boat. What is that called? The marina or something? Marina. Uh, when we were getting out of that area, I mean, everything just, you know, it just looked kind of run down and rusty because that's what saltwater does. So... Yeah, I don't know. Um, as far as shotguns, I don't have a ton of experience with shotguns, but I would definitely want something that was like pump action. And I think I'd probably just go with like the good old handy Mossberg 500. Uh, I was thinking maybe Remington 870, but really the only reason why is because I like the tank safety on the Mossberg 500. It's a lot easier to operate if I was shooting with either hand. There you go. That was really my only reason. Yeah. yeah okay. We well, you know both uh, Remington and Mossberg make like a Mariner style shotgun that's that's intended for you know uh, saltwater environments, and mm -hmm. uh, that would definitely be my go-to. Would be the Mariner version, uh, the 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 five ninety A one in a in a Mar Mariner finish, which you know has a good mm -hmm. corrosion resistant finish. Um, that's certainly helpful. And I think you know, look in general a pump action shotgun is pretty freaking hard to beat i mean if you can run any type of load you want through it um you know not yeah. a lot to go wrong not a lot I to keep i didn't realize that they had the mariner version that's i mean that's helpful because because i was like thinking also i'm like you know me being in colorado this is something i don't think about but even that guy that i sat next to in the amex lounge he was saying uh he lives in texas and he wanted to uh, cause he was like, Oh, do you have like a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of guns, like big safes. And I was like, no, I just have like a huge gun room. And I was telling him how, you know, all the stuff that I did in order to make sure that it's all essentially, you know, nobody can break into it. And he, he said that he wanted to do something similar, but because of the humidity, he was kind of, and then like, even with concrete and stuff, uh, with the humidity and it like kind of blew my mind because I was thinking, Oh, that's something that I wouldn't even have thought of because it's, I don't have those issues here in Colorado, but it makes sense that there'd be guns that, you know, if you're, especially if you're using them in areas where, you know, there is humidity or salt water. Yeah. Makes a lot more sense. And storage conditions here in Georgia are the same way. You know, we have a lot of humidity and everything, and especially if you're going to store guns in the basement. Yeah. We have to have a de dehumidifier and then yeah. I have a pump that pumps the water out of the dehumidifier and runs it to, you know, a, a sink or whatever. So that way, 
you know, it's keeping everything like a museum uh, storage conditions, I guess, would be like around 70 degrees and around 35 to 40 percent humidity. Like you don't want the humidity so low that your wood is going to dry out too bad and your slings are going to rot and things like that, like old leather slings. Like I've got, you know, some guns with slings on them that are 150, 175 years old. You got a 175 year old piece of leather. You don't want to dry it out too much. So it's like yeah. museum storage is museum storage, whether it's like, a, for instance, my music gear collection. Right. Like I've got a lot of old guitars and old amps. I've got some guitar amps that are from the 1940s. So you're talking an amp from the 40s where the speakers, you know, a little yeah. old, you know, the, the cones are pretty fragile. You got to be careful. You know, you can't have, you know, a bunch of humidity that would cause any type of mold to set in. It would eat that paper up in a heartbeat. So I have to have museum storage conditions for my music gear as well. So I keep it about 70 degrees, about 35, 40 percent humidity in that ballpark. And then see in the winter, the problem is I've got to keep the loft warm in the winter. But then you got to worry about the humidity being too low because the heat is causing, uh, you know, the moisture to get ate up. So I actually have to run a heat humidifier with an anti-mold agent in it to keep the humidity level up in the winter for my guns and for my music gear. So it's, it's pretty complicated when you're in the South. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy here. I'm like thinking, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I have certain things, you know, to make sure that my plants and my house don't die. Like, even if I, if I go away, most people would be like, cool, you know, we could just keep our heat down to like 50, but I'm like, I can't do that. I have expensive plants in my house that, you know, need to survive and they need that heat. <laughs> So, uh, what would you pick for a handgun? Okay. Handgun. Mm -hmm. Well, look, you know, I know people are going to give me crap about this. So I'm just going to go ahead and just go and get it out there. Okay? It's probably going to be the same thing that I'm picking. Look, <laughs> if, if you're already starting it off like that. I've been, I've been, I've been rocking the Glock 19X. Uh, yep. We had the I same. I like the 19X a lot. That's You know, funny. it's a rugged gun. It's got a good finish. Good corrosion resistance. It's reliable. You know, I've always considered the, the Glock to be kind of like the Honda Civic of guns. Yeah. And I know that that's an overstated fact, but, you know, if you need that daily driver that's just going to get you where you need to go and, and get you from point A to point B, save you. I like the 19X. I'm also a big fan of the Sig M17. I love it. It's one of my favorite pistols. I've got a really nice um, battle belt that I put together, and I've got an Alien Gear holster on there with my M17 in it. And look, I love the M17. It's a fantastic gun. Yeah. It would be hard to decide between the two. I, I would not feel unarmed or unprotected with either gun. Man, that's a hard decision. Yeah. No, I get it. I I get it. And I, I probably would pick a stock gun too, as crappy as that sounds, because the Glock triggers are horrendous. But they I really mean, are. That said, uh, I mean, it's... I was thinking Glock as well. Glock or probably like the Masada pistol, IWI Masada pistol. Something that essentially, you know, whatever you put in it is just, it's going to, it's going to fire when you pull that trigger and, um, and it's reliable. And I don't know. I mean, Glock, they figured out a way where you can toss this thing in the dirt, the water or whatever, and like, it'll still go bang. And so it's like, eh, why not? And then not to mention, I mean, Palmer pistol would actually come in handy, you know, for, for the salt water. Yeah. You know? It's true. It's I don't true. Know. So yeah, actually, um, I don't know if you heard, but they just came out with the Glock 49, which it's funny. I'm like, how do I keep up with all these numbers now? But the Glock 49, essentially it's already, I mean, Lone Wolf was like doing it. Palmer 80. 
Um, it's something that everyone's already kind of been doing on their own, or if they buy, if they buy a Glock 19 and a Glock 17 and they switch out, you know, the slides. So essentially it is the 19 frame with the 17 slide, which is kind of what we've all been wanting for a while. And then other companies jumped on and, you know, started making it. And then Glock just finally, you know, caught up, but no hate against Glock. Uh, I mean, they're ugly, but and, and there's really no bells or whistles or thrills to them, but like it is reliable. You know, there's something to be said about just something being a functional tool. And when yeah. you look at all the other polymer striker fire guns that are out there, they all sort of borrowed their lineage from the mm -hmm. clock. I mean, like I love the Smith and Wesson MP series. They're great. Uh, the Masadas are fantastic guns. You know, uh, they're, they're great. And when yeah. you look at something so simple, again, you look at the AR as being sort of a closed system uh, that can keep dirt and debris out of the system relatively easy, right? You know, compared to some of the other actions. I mean, and a lot of mud tests, AKs actually don't perform that well. Think about it in terms of a pistol with a hammer. Now you got all the dust bunnies and sand and crap. And yeah. You can foul things up in a hurry. The striker fire system is kind of self-contained and mm -hmm. really does take a lot to stop one. So really the beauty of it is as long as the design parameters follow a striker fire type of paradigm, well then really no matter what you choose, it's going to be a solid performer, whether it's an MMP or Masada or Glock or SIG or whatever, striker fired is absolutely the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. What other things would you bring, do you think, that would just be like ultimate necessity for survival? Ooh, boy, this could be like a whole nother podcast, but I think it's too condensed. Okay. Down. How about you can only pick three things? Ooh, yeah. Three things. I mean, look, man, we don't, we don't got all day. <laughs> well, I would say my fire making kit, a good knife. You don't know how to make a fire. You don't know how I to rub some sticks together. Oh I mean, I'm, God, I'm giving you, no, I'm giving you crap. But like at the end of the day, I've never done it. <laughs> I'd say my fire making kit and a good knife. Uh -huh, right. Yep. And then probably some water purification tablets or something, or like some type of water purification or like one of those uh, life straw bottles or, um, you know, the water purification bottles, because mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, you, you can, you can find some food pretty easily, but without water, you're, you're cooked. Right. And, you know, water sitting around, it's kind of stagnant. You don't really know where it's been. I mean, believe me, you, you, you can, you can go a long time without food, but without water, you're, you're toast. I mean, I would say, you know, one of those water purification bottles, a knife, fire making kit. Yeah. I can build a shelter with a knife. I mean, that's yeah. not a problem. I think I would definitely bring at least a thousand thread count sheets. That would be nice because I'm not trying to live a life that doesn't have, you know, luxury. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yours were pretty good. I don't know. I do wonder though, what about like a pot or something? You know, I mean, you, I would almost say keep your life straw and then I could use a pot and I could essentially heat the water, but then I could also use that pot to, you know, to make other stuff as well. So, so you're thinking like, like, like the Hobbit and, and the Hobbits are walking around <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hanging from the, oh, you know, from my know. stick, <laughs> but you know, my sheets, my sheets, my knife and you know, my, my pot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
That's that's a viable viable concept. You can work yeah. with that. You can always boil the water to purify it. I know. That's what I was saying. I'm like it. You know. I'm instead of you taking your purifying tablets. You know. Who knows? All right. Um. I think it's time to wrap up that segment. I'm curious, like what other people would decide. I, I thought this was actually kind of a tough question because I don't really have that much experience with shooting in sand. I don't think I have any experience. I mean, I've shot in dirt before, but never sand. So I'm curious, you know, for, especially for people who live nearby beaches and you're surrounded by sand, I'm curious, like what you guys have had the most success with. Uh, it's now time to go over the listener of the week. So last week we asked you guys if you'd be so kind as to leave us a review and two people came through, which we greatly appreciate. And I didn't say that I was giving anything away, um, at the time we weren't, but you know what? I figured the fact that people would like, are just willing to do this just for the sake of doing it, just to be nice. I was like, you know what? This person deserves to win something. So, uh, Teed, I think, it, or I'm sorry, Tweeter. Twitter CJF titled awesome podcast, five stars. I've been following Ava and Eric for a long while now. I love whatever content they put out. Very happy. The two of them are working together. Now give the show a listen. It will soon become one of your favorite shows to listen to. So, um, Twitter no. CJF, um, contact me, just, just, uh, send me an email at pewpewpanel at gmail.com with an address. And then also for anybody else who's like waiting for any shipments, I've not gotten around to it. Um, but I promise that I've not forgotten about you and you guys are going to be taken care of. And then I think that wraps it up. Um, this week is going to be Thanksgiving and I don't know, I'm, I might be having like 20 people come to my house and I, I love how I'm like, well, I don't cook, but you know, I mean, you know, I don't cook, but, uh, I guess I'm gonna have to learn because I got 20 people coming. <laughs> well, you got but, a lot of fish. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you imagine? I don't know if I would like to be served fish for Thanksgiving. I'm so, I love like all the traditional food. Like, I don't know. What's your favorite, what's your favorite side? I mean, I'm all about the freaking stuffing, you know? Yes. I, I, I love the stuffing. I love Turkey and everything like that. I love to get in a trip to fan coma and just sleep my butt off. And um, I'm not doing anything really for Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to go down to South Georgia and hang out in the woods with a few of my friends and go do some deer hunting. And I think we're going to cook some ribeye steaks for Thanksgiving. I mean, that sounds, that sounds nice. There's nothing wrong with, you know, switching things up a little bit and doing things differently. We're going to cook them on an open fire on a pit. You know, Nice. You might even have a better meal than I do. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm left to do some of the cooking. So huh? hope everybody has the patience. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it'll uh, be fine. Be, um, talking about, I know, talking about the stuffing though. So I'm curious what kind of stuffing you like, because for me, it has to be stovetop. Like, I know it's like, there's not much to it. And you literally just like, you know, dump the contents in a pan and what is it like some butter and chicken broth or something, but it is yeah. so good. Any other stuffing just like does not hold a light. Yeah. It doesn't have to be fancy. It, you know, sometimes no. the thing about Thanksgiving is, is sometimes it's just the basic stuff. Like some people do like just the, 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 the canned, uh, cranberry yeah. sauce or whatever. Like it's so basic. It's so tart. And it's like, you think, what is this? But there's yeah. something about it. It's like, it's just not complete without it. Yeah, I know. 
I know. I hear you. Thanksgiving is actually one of my favorite holidays because it's not overly commercialized and it's just about friends and family getting together and sharing a meal, which I think a lot of times, you know, we don't really have time for as much anymore. We don't make the time for it. And I think, yeah, it's great to be successful or to have all these other things going on. But I do think that, you know, I wish that more people would kind of slow down and, you know, and just take the time to appreciate those around them because we're not going to be here forever. And, you know, having nice things are great. I mean, thankfully I have this huge house and I bought it with the intentions to have, you know, parties because it can hold a ton of people, but it's not, you know, that's not what's like ultimately, you know, the end all be all what's important. I mean, what's important is the relationships that you have with people and the memories you make. So so I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. And Eric, um, I'll be sure to send you a picture of my plate if you send me a picture of yours. <laughs> deal. Absolute deal. And I, I want to just add as well that, you know, like everybody in our society, it seems like, you know, they just want to doom scroll. And there's so much, so many things that we're, we're gaslit by and, and we just think the world is falling apart and it's terrible. And and, and believe me, like it's sensory overload. We see all the things on our phone. Mm -hmm. wow, the world's terrible. The world's scary. The world's yeah. messed up place. But if you put down the phone and just look at the world in your immediate area and what your you know immediate life, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for. We do live in the greatest country in the world. We do have a lot going for us. And, you know, it could be a heck of a lot worse. And sometimes it's important to stop and smell the damn roses from time to time, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what Thanksgiving, you know, really signifies for me. I'm going to go out in the woods and enjoy myself and have some solitude. And, uh, you know, and it's going to be a great day. I'm going to be yeah. glad to have it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you next week. Later. All right, I'm killing it. <laughs>